Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, August 28th, we are studying Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 35. Solomon addresses his son yet again, imploring him to hold on to wisdom as his life, as his adornment, as his security in all of his ways. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Brian Flamey. Pastor Flamey serves at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Pastor Flamey, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, thanks for having me again. So, Pastor Flamey, as we get started this morning, in our pre-show correspondence, your initial comment when we said we were studying Proverbs is that Proverbs is hard. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think you're alone in that assessment of the book of Proverbs. I think as as I've gone through it, as I've reflected on the book of Proverbs so far, it's not one of those books that's, if I can put it this way, it's not in my wheelhouse as a pastor. There's not many texts from the lectionary from it. It's one of those that often seems kind of disjointed for me. So I, 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 I'm not, I'm not far off from you. So I'm, I'm just curious as we get started this morning, why do you say that? Why do you say Proverbs is hard? Proverbs is hard because we assume that it delivers to us wisdom. And that's true. It's absolutely true. But the kind of wisdom that we expect from the book of Proverbs is not, in fact, that wisdom that we get. Uh, so you and I are both uh, Americans, you know, uh, and we've uh, been trained up, at least from youth, in, in a secular educational environment to learn that, that wisdom has to do with things that were taught by the philosophers, you know, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, and this long history of Western civilization critical thought. Even here in the United States, and I think this is important, philosophy, the kind of American philosophy that we have is called pragmatism. Have you ever heard of that before? I have, yeah. Go ahead and explain that for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so pragmatism seeks out wisdom, truth, and a ground for your uh, life and, and meaning in what works. Uh, that's just putting it crassly and crudely. It's much more nuanced than that, of course. Uh, but that finds its way, that, that uh, the sophisticated American idea of wisdom, of philosophy, finds its way even into our day-to-day interactions with uh, our parishioners and among one another as Christians, even to the point where one Christian might say to another, I wish that pastor's sermons were more practical. <laughs> and what they're desiring is something that they can fit into and apply in their uh, day-to-day lives, something that's useful at work, something that's helpful in you know, bridging that relationship that's become broken between family members or friends. And even pastors hear this from the parishioners, especially, this is something I used to hear a lot in Bible study, uh, Pastor, I, I, I get what you're saying, but how can you apply this life practically to mine? You know, I hear that you're talking about the Trinity, but I don't see in any way how the Holy Trinity is practical and applicable to my life. Well, it turns out when you open up the Holy Scriptures to Proverbs and you start looking at the wisdom that's being put forward there, uh, you don't find uh, too much. I, I, I think you don't find the kind of practical wisdom uh, that our secular lives would demand of us. Instead, you find something that we, that, that we read today, if you jump back to like verse 13, uh, you find a beatitude. And this is, this is the thing that strikes me the most about uh, Proverbs, is instead of being a repository for, for worldly wisdom, it's a repository for, for heavenly wisdom. And every single verse that you, I think that you find in, in Proverbs is like a branch that reaches out to the rest of the Holy Scriptures. And, and so when Solomon, as you were saying, speaks to his son concerning, concerning the wisdom, he, wisdom begins not with the practicality of day-to-day life, like how to do the best I can at my job, how to find a beautiful 
life or how to make up with my friends, but it begins by knowing the Lord and knowing the Lord through his law, through his instruction, through his word. And from there, there are worldly and practical concerns, but they are not going to be the worldly and practical concerns that we would have started with for ourselves. In fact, they much resemble uh, the love as articulated by God's law, the Ten Commandments, uh, the kind of love that we should show our neighbors that has been first demonstrated to us through our merciful and loving Lord who gave his son Jesus into death to save us. And so that's the first thing that, that really strikes me about this book. As, soon as, as, I, as long as I try to push Proverbs into uh, the, 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 you know, it, the square peg into the round hole, uh, uh, if I try to push Proverbs into my preconceived understandings of what wisdom and philosophy should be, it's never going to fit. But if in Proverbs I see that this is a place where God reminds me of heavenly wisdom and causes me to open up to the rest of the, his instruction, his Torah, his, his word, then it becomes much more easy to handle. It becomes in some ways uh, maybe a synopsis that draws your attention to all these other wonderful places in the Bible. That, that's a very helpful introduction. Uh, we, we've, ha- we've lamented this on, this on this show previously when it comes to the book of Proverbs. As Americans, our temptation is to see it in a very pragmatic way such that these first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs, we almost ignore and go straight to chapter 10 and following where you get that more classic form of a proverb, those one liner or two liner, occasionally three liner of sayings that do tend to be more practical in nature, or at least you can read it that way only. But if you do that, then you really lose the fullness of the wisdom that God desires to impart through this book that Solomon is trying to get through to his son in this book, which is not simply that pragmatism. It definitely doesn't start there, but it does start with you, as you said, the fear of the Lord, knowing who he is through his word. And in that way, this book does stretch out into the rest of the scriptures. It is, I mean, as, as we've been going through this, these first several chapters, over and over again, Solomon will say, you know, hold on to wisdom. And, and you're kind of like, well, what wisdom, Solomon? Give me some of this wisdom. And, and I think you're right that that wisdom that he's talking about invites us to go into the rest of the scriptures and look at what God has said elsewhere and recognize that that's the wisdom Solomon is talking about. Yes. Yeah, the picture you have to have in your head is Solomon with his his children, his, with his son. And when he says, uh, when he says to be the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, or when he talks about seek wisdom, he's pointing at the Holy Scriptures. He's pointing at the scroll of the law. He's pointing them to the books of Moses, which teach, you know, the beginning of all things, the fall into sin, and God's redemption for his people. That's where wisdom is, you know? And so if there's any practicality to be had, necessarily they're going to be built around, uh, here in the world, around the Ten Commandments, right? But the fear and the comfort of the Lord is always going to be founded on the gospel. Now, and this is the thing, if you understand this, if you frame Proverbs the way that Solomon wants to frame it, like you were saying, beginning with these first eight chapters, uh, then the Proverbs that follow are put in a better context. And the reiterations uh, of the, the wisdom of the Ten Commandments in human life, as opposed to being, you know, discrete or what would you say, obscure Hebrew sayings that must have worked for them back then, but I'm not so sure now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, a, that's, that's a very good point to make, too, that those, those Proverbs, as we will come to them, will point us back to the Ten Commandments and, and not, right, some sort of culturally bound statements that maybe we can take or leave, but rather understand them in light of what, what Solomon gives us in these chapters and then in light of the larger narrative of the, in the Ten Commandments particularly. Let's go ahead and, and take a look at our text for today. I think I'll just go ahead and read all of it, Pastor Flaming, to get that okay. full sense of it. And then we'll come back and, and look at individual verses. So this is Proverbs 3, verses 21 through 35. My son, do not lose sight of these. 
keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way f- securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. That is the text for today, Proverbs 3, verses 21 through 35. So, Pastor Flame, we get that familiar introduction. My son, Solomon, speaks to his son. And, and I think we would understand that, again, not as only his biological son, but also in terms of, of one who seeks to impart the faith to another. So, my son, do not lose sight of these sound wisdom, discretion. We get these images. They will be life for your soul, an adornment for your neck. This, this picture of costly, valuable clothing is there. What do you have for us in these first two verses? Well, again, this makes the point that we brought up in the introduction. Uh, this, is, uh, this is the Torah. <laughs> Sound wisdom and discretion. Uh, the, the, choosing the way of life versus the way of death. Uh, wearing her around your neck, using, having this thing for adornment. Uh, if, you, if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, there the Torah is spoken of in, in these terms. I'll just open up my Bible really quick here. Ah, here it is. So, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is verse 4. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Sounds like Solomon is obeying the commandment. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. And this is the parallel verse. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Right? So your adornment. Before you, the thing that's that's as close to you as your own clothing is the Lord's word, His instruction, uh, His His uh, His law. You know, this is one of those things where that, that reminds me of uh, something that I was reading by our Lutheran theologian uh, of centuries past, John Gerhard, and he was talking about how the the pastor, the student of theology, has to be so totally immersed in God's word that it's inconceivable for him to begin and end his day without it. Like his first thoughts of the day should be conformed to the Lord's thoughts. And how is he going to do that? Not by thinking heavenly thoughts as in speculation, but by reading the Bible. (laughs) And how does he end his day also with committing his heart and his mind to the Lord? By, again, studying the sacred scriptures. Studying them in, in various ways, you know, through a cursory reading of the Bible to get the general sense and the idea of various books. And also through uh, the slow, detailed study of analysis that's also necessary, not just for biblical scholarship, but for preaching the text with, with authority and, uh, and, and, and with the effectiveness of uh, convicting souls of the law and comforting them with the gospel. Right? And so this is the point that Solomon is making to his son. Keep sound wisdom and discretion is uh, be in the word of God. Right. And and uh, and when he talks about sound wisdom and discretion, he's talking about, again, how the, the word will be life for your soul. I mean, how true do we know that to be? Right. Jesus is the, the light of the world. Right. And and uh, and whoever dwells in him will not have darkness, but will have the light of life. Uh, an adornment for your neck 
it's it's kind of like I don't know if people still do this anymore or not. Uh, so Pastor Apple, it used to be like when I was in high school, people would wear like you know how they wear these chains, you know, these necklaces, and then they would have like on them like a symbol of what mattered to them. And so if there was like a, a hotshot jock in high school, he'd wear like, I don't know, something dumb like a, a shark tooth or a bullet because <laughs> he's dangerous. <laughs> and then for like the Christians, they would have like a, a cross or something like that. And, and what that meant was that uh, this is something that's important to me. It matters to me. And that's why I wear it on my heart. You know, that's a good thing, I think, uh, to have something on you as a reminder of where your your thoughts and your heart are supposed to be just as Moses has uh, instructed us. And just as Solomon is instructing his children. Uh, we, uh, so the cross is just a is in that case on a, in a literal chain and as a pendant, a symbol, but it reminds us of how we bear so close to ourselves, the word of God, by constantly meditating on it, by dwelling on it, uh, reading it and studying it. Hmm. That that thought of the the adornment for your neck, the chain around your neck, that that symbol that that you wear very physically as a sign that the word is with you always, I think is is a is a helpful way to continue through this text and a reminder that this this dwelling on the word of God and dwelling in the word of God, letting the word of God dwell in you richly, which as you said for the for the pastor is the then the he he wakes up with this on his mind, he goes to bed with it on his mind, this sort of breathing in and breathing out, which is, is true for pastors, certainly, but but for every Christian, Solomon speaks to all of us here, that this is, all this is to say is that this isn't only a Sunday morning thing. This is something that is an everyday thing. And and Solomon continues in verse verses 23 and 24, he talks about, then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. As I was, was reading those two verses, at least together, and we can talk about them separately, but together I was reminded of in the, the service of Compline in the Lutheran service mm-hmm. book, when you sing the Nunc Dimittis, there's a, I guess it's an antiphon that begins it and ends it. Guide us waking, O Lord, and guard us sleeping that awake we may watch with Christ and asleep we may rest in peace. And, and Solomon brings those same two things together here. The, the way that we walk during the day and the way that we sleep at night both find their beginning and end in the Lord. Take us into these two verses, Pastor Fleming. Yeah, what I thought about when I, when I heard these verses uh, was an echo of Psalm 118. Uh, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And there is a prophecy of Christ. And, and uh, so again, this, this goes to show me, like, if I, if I took this verse by itself without comparing it against the rest of the Holy Scriptures, I'm not sure what I would do with this. Then you will walk in safety in your way, and your foot will not stumble. Like, I don't understand. How will this make my steps more sure? But the steps are the steps of faith. And they are sure because they are founded on Christ. And Christ becomes not the scandal, the stumbling block that he did, in fact, become for the Jews. You see, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin did not heed Solomon. And for that reason, Christ was a scandal for him, and they desired to put him to death, right? Uh, whereas uh, the, 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 you, you have this beautiful image that we just uh, heard about not too long ago in the one-year lectionary of uh, in, in, in uh, Luke's gospel, in the triumphal entry, you know, that you have all the leaders of the Jews desiring to put Christ to death. And yet Christ gathers around himself in the temple a congregation who are hanging, literally hanging on his every word, as it says there in the text. Uh, that they will not be dissuaded from Christ because they see the precious value of his instruction. Uh, Here he is, wisdom incarnate, delivering the preaching of wisdom uh, to humble and to lift up even unto salvation. Uh, And and so this this image is something that also St. Peter and the rest of the apostles bring out in their preaching. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Uh, that uh, even though he was rejected by sinners and crucified and put to death, 
Uh, that doesn't mean that he's been destroyed. Rather, he has become our crucified and now ra- risen from the dead Savior. Uh, and, and, uh, and now the scandal is of the preaching of the cross, that in weakness God reveals himself as our Redeemer, right? And, and in suffering he shows himself as, as the Savior of, of the world by taking the world's sins away, by suffering the consequences on the cross, and, and, uh, and giving from the cross the great exchange of God's unlimited favor and mercy and grace. Uh, Psalm 118, I believe, uh, would have been an occasion for preaching, uh, uh, an occasion for preaching the coming Christ, even to the Jews. And, and uh, so this could be understood uh, hold on one sec. And so, uh, and so this could, and so we should never fall into the trap of thinking that in these Old Testament books they were Moses and law books exclusively. And law, by law, I mean Ten Commandments books exclusively. But from the very beginning to the very end, they hold forth Israel's hope and salvation, which is in the seed of the woman, which is in Christ. I mean, every single bloody sacrifice pointed forward. Uh, to the blood of Christ himself on Calvary. And so uh, when, when Psalm 118 was sung aloud in the temple, uh, uh, when, when, you, when those familiar words were preached, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they were talking about how the Lord himself will come. The Lord himself will be born of a woman, right, to redeem us from our sins. Now, of course, the, the, this beautiful instruction concerning the salvation that God will give in the incarnate in, in him, uh, that he will give through his incarnate son may have been lost on the, the rulers and the leaders of the Jews, but they weren't lost on everyone. Hence the small congregation gathered around Jesus in the temple. And they weren't lost on Mary, right? Or, or even on Joseph. The, uh, the disciples were confused, but it wasn't lost on them either. And then you have the godly example of of the Old Testament saints, of John the Baptist, uh, of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who re- and uh, Simeon in the temple, since you mentioned the Nook Demitis, uh, who received with joy the fulfillment of their hope. I have no doubt that when Simeon was holding in his hands Jesus, that he saw God in the flesh and the redemption of Israel, right? And he confesses his faith and his hope in that way. And, and, and uh, so I think this is remarkable uh, that here in verse 23, when, when Solomon says you will walk in safety and your foot will not stumble, uh, so the, uh, that this should remind us as Christians uh, that, uh, that Christ is not the occasion for stumbling, even in his weakness on the cross, even in the preaching of his righteousness from the cross, which makes no sense to the world, nevertheless, it is the foundation for our faith. Not very practical in worldly terms, but it is uh, practical in heavenly terms. There is no other way or no other name uh, uh, by which we may be saved. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, I mean, and not, not to, I hope I'm not too American here in this case. I am an American, mm-hmm. but it's not like it doesn't have any sort of real life application. Like this, this is real life. Trusting in Jesus—that is—that is what life is. Is is to yeah. is to know Jesus and to trust in Him. And so, I mean, right. I mean, granted, like, can I can I necessarily take a verse like this? And and I, I don't know when when I when I see this particular situation in life, and I say, ah, Proverbs three twenty three tells me what to do right then, right now. Well, no, but but to trust in Jesus and to recognize that He is not a stumbling block but he is the foundation for my salvation. That is in fact life. Even if I can't take this verse and at, at, you know, what later today at one 15 PM central time, that's 12, 15 PM for, or for you, Pastor Flammy in New Mexico, that I'm going to make use of this verse. Well, no, maybe not like that, but this is what it means to, to actually live is to have Christ as my, my rock, my cornerstone, not the stumbling block. Yeah, that's right. These two lives are uh, come together, and and uh, they are now the same for us as Christians. Uh, instead of just having an earthly birth, 
We have a heavenly birth, and our heavenly birth defines our earthly birth now, right? And so, it, and so every moment of our day is in some ways put in the context of God's law and gospel, as it should be. We should be thinking about this with wonder every moment of the day. Uh, how we live from now to the moment of our death, uh, a Christian life, you know? And so, the, so you can't escape your baptism, as I suppose is what, you're, what I'm saying, you know? It's not like you get to to go and hang out with a certain group of friends, and now the, the heavenly practicality of Proverbs no longer applies, that now you can apply worldly wisdom here and nothing else. We can't suspend belief in that way. If we're baptized, and if Christ has redeemed us from sin, then the way we see the world is going to be different from the way a worldly person sees it who doesn't have that heavenly birth, right? We're going to speak differently. We're going to act differently. And hopefully, and this, is, and this is one of the things that I think comes out in the preaching of the apostles, uh, and hopefully we can commend ourselves to the world as reasonable, as honorable, and blameless, right? We're not weird to the point of, uh, how would you say this, danger, of becoming dangerous to the world. The world might try to persecute us or call us dangerous, but in fact, in their heart of hearts, they, they all have to see our reasonableness and our and. Uh, that instead of being haters of men, in fact, we are the, the best lovers of, of, of humanity and, and of one another, you know? Yeah, you, you can't leave your baptism behind. That's the, I like the way you put it, the heavenly practicality of this text. And we'll keep looking at this text from Proverbs 3 on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We'll be right back. Please stick around. want my teenage son to be thinking how to deal with life's stresses and natural changes. I want to know how to talk to him about things he'll experience as he builds relationships. I want him to know I'm there for him. I just don't know how. Here is a resource that can get you started. Connect With Me activity cards have been developed to help begin the discussions. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. One of the clearest messages of the Bible is that some things will not be clear to human beings. But the Bible is also clear that God is more trustworthy than our imperfect knowledge. On the next Sing for Joy, you will hear music that trusts without claiming to know everything. Join us. Sundays at noon on KFUO. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, August 28th. We're studying Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 35. We've got Pastor Brian Flamey with us. He serves at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Pastor Flamey, prior to the break, we were looking at verse 23, the matter of, of walking on the way securely. Your foot will not stumble. In Christ, we have a foundation. He is not the stumbling block that he was for the Jews. He is the foundation of our faith. Then you get in verse 24, and just from, from the way of of poetic imagery. Verse 23 talks about walking and, and the time when we're awake. Verse 24 takes us into the matter of, of sleeping. And then, too, we have the same security and wisdom. Take us into verse 24. Yes. So in, in, in verse 24, it, uh, that the Lord grants uh, rest <laughs> and rest without fear. I mean, the, the image that, that certainly Solomon had in his mind was of his own father, uh, seeking to escape from the wrath and the anger and the vengeance of soul, and how the Lord protected his father, and how the Lord upheld him and, and kept him so, so that he could rest without anxiety and fear. Man, oh man, I mean, 
This is something that, that we've been learning about these past six months. And that is the inescapability uh, on our parts of, uh, of, of getting away from the trouble in the world, right? So there's like a, a, vi- a virus we can't see that's chasing us and threatening to kill us all, right? Not only that, but there's social unrest. I mean, God knows where the next riot will break out. Not only that, you have these various natural disasters that are attacking all over the country from California to Texas. Uh, When you turn on the news, uh, it's nothing but bad. And also, they've invented this word to describe what people do now uh, in their meditating on worldly affairs. It's called doom scrolling. Have you heard of this? I have not. (laughs) So doom scrolling. Doom doom scrolling? Yes, doom scrolling. Now, this is a real thing. NPR told me all about it. Doom scrolling is when you pull up your smartphone and you switch over to your, your news application. And then as you scroll through the news stories, your despair just blooms because of all everything bad that's happening. Right. Especially, like, especially think back to those the heady days when they were showing us the exponential growth curves of infections from COVID-19. Right. And every single story is about how this thing cannot be stopped. Right. Now, this has practical effects in the lives of people. Uh, people. I was listening to Al Mohler yesterday, and he was talking about this and, and how uh, there's been this uh, explosion of, uh, I guess, mental illness, depression, anxiety disorders, uh, that people are losing sleep over the cares and the worries of the world, uh, that, that people have become despondent and depressed over it, right? Uh, and, uh, and if we meditate on the world <laughs> and the world's problems, you know what, to be honest, I don't, I don't see how you can avoid it. Uh, if, this, if this feeble and short life is all that you have, that, and it's perpetually being threatened by fears that you can do nothing about, then of course I'm going to be driven to despair. But here, uh, here the foundation for one's existence in life, the practicality of our lives is not found as originating in the world, like we were saying before. It comes from heaven. It comes from the Lord who gives us his heart in his holy word. And his holy word reveals salvation in his son. And David, meditating on the Lord's word and, being, and, 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 uh, and, and uh, trusting in the Lord's promises, uh, was able, despite Saul's vengeance and anger, uh, to lay down and sleep and rest. And, and, and dwell securely, right? So even though everything in the world was set against him, even though he was looking death in the face, so to speak, uh, he was not disturbed. Now, that's not to say, that's not to say that Christians uh, uh, somehow sin when something in the world makes them, or gives them reason for, for caution, or makes them afraid. What it does mean is that we don't let that, that, that those anxieties and those fears rule us, Right? But we see, when we seek our help from the Lord, we do find real comfort, not abstract comfort, uh, but real peace, real security. Uh, the, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. When, when people come to their pastors and they, and they unload their souls, and they talk about all their, their burdens and their fears, and they say, well, pastor, what can I do? We don't write as a prescription for them, right? We don't engage in the, in the realm of therapy. Instead, we direct them to the Lord and his holy word, as we should, because we, because we have to remind them that their lives are more than just what they can see on this earth, but they, but they rest in Christ and in their holy baptism. And, and, uh, and, and for that reason, uh, we say that, you know, remember the Lord, remember his promises for you. Remember that in baptism, he promised that even though uh, everything is turned against you. He will raise you up on the last day. He's put his name on you, you know, and, and uh, that I, I really believe this results in even earthly peace. When the soul is quieted, when the soul finds comfort and confidence, it has bodily effects. Uh, and we shouldn't be surprised then if the Christian sleeps more soundly than the unbeliever. Mm. Well, and, and that's, I mean, just this whole thing of, of practicality, I almost gave you a hard time because you used the word practical here, but, but there is, there yeah. is the, the earthly effect of it. And that is, that is a real thing. The, as you said, yes. this isn't an abstract thing, but it is a real thing that the Lord gives 
And we shouldn't be surprised when we see the fruit of it in our earthly lives. This is a very real thing that the Lord gives. Now, he, he continues, Solomon continues, verse 25 and 26, Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. And verse 26 is beautiful. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. I, I think you, you see a, an echo of some of the imagery of the matter of Christ as the cornerstone, but also some other imagery there from other Psalms as well. Yeah, you get the impression that, that when, when Solomon speaks to his children and to his son, right? What is he doing? He's paraphrasing, he's paraphrasing the Holy Scriptures and the inspired word uh, uh, that, that came from his own father. You know, he's pulling together from his own memory the words of Moses and the prophets and even the, the inspired prophecies and the preaching of his, of his own father. You know, it's great. I, it's just wonderful. It's kind of like an ex- this is a great example uh, to every Christian dad. When, when you and teach your kids uh, uh, of heavenly wisdom, which is the foundation for our earthly life, then y- you should be paraphrasing the Holy Scriptures to them. You should be calling to your own mind the instruction of the Lord's word and then delivering it to them. Uh, uh, Yes, it's good to to do this by rote, to read straight out of the Bible. You have to do that. But also to summarize the Bible, right, to uh, to apply it uh, to whatever is going on in your lives at that moment, to talk about uh, uh, the law and the gospel, the forgiveness of sins, the comfort that we have and the effects of that comfort in this life. Uh, that's how, how Solomon is doing it here is how we should do it with our own kids. And, and uh, here the psalm that uh, uh, Solomon is echoing, he moves straight from Psalm 4 to Psalm 91, a very famous psalm, right? Uh, one that especially that we've been uh, praying a lot during, uh, during this time of pandemic without end. Uh, you will not fear the terror of the night, it says in, in verse 5 there, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday, right? A thousand may fall on your side, 10,000 on your right hand, but it will come not near you. You only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, right? So, but the Lord is the one who is the refuge and the protection to the point where no plague will come near to the Christian, and, and then you have these famous verses that even the devil tried to use against Christ, right? For he will command his angels concerning you, this is verse 11, to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone, right? Uh, and this is, I, I think that this is remarkable. Um, so instead of being caught by the devil, instead of striking your, your foot against the stones of, of this world and sin and, and death, uh, the Lord has commanded his angels concerning us uh, to lift us up, to protect us, and to give us that heavenly protection even on the earth. Uh, we, should, we should be confident, I think, as Christians, that when we pray to the Lord this psalm in, in, in the midst of worldly fear, uh, we should be confident that when we uh, call upon the Lord's help in any circumstance in life, that the Lord hears us, and answers, uh, and that he gives special protection to his Christians, and he gives special protection to his church. Uh, no doubt, if the devil had his way, we all would have been obliterated long ago. Luther likes to talk this way, you know, that if the devil had his way, he would have suffocated you at birth. I mean, he wouldn't let you live. You're too much for him to bear. But because the Lord loves us, and because he commands his angels concerning us, because he keeps us from striking our foot against the, the wickedness of the world, uh, we endure and we live. And not only that, but we thrive and we're blessed, to, even with worldly blessings, with daily bread and uh, with contentedness and all these things. Recognizing how the Lord works in these ways, I think, is a helpful way to begin to look at the next several verses, particularly 27 and 28. The matter of, you know, don't withhold good from those to whom it is due when it's in your power to do it. Don't say to your neighbor, go and come again. I'll give it to you tomorrow when you have it with you. I mean, these are some of those verses that it would be easy, I suppose, just to rip out of their context and say, here's some really practical stuff like we've been talking about. But but given what you've just said, Pastor Fleming, I mean, 
I think maybe the way to start with these two verses is to say, this is how the Lord treats us first. He's not withholding good from us. He's not holding something behind his back. Say, I'm going to give it to you tomorrow. Not today. When you've asked. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, uh, if nothing else, right. I mean, so the Lord does wait sometimes to answer prayers, like the old catechism answer, like our, our, our dads and our, and our pastors gave us, you know, uh, the Lord, uh, answers prayer, but maybe not in the way that we want, or maybe exactly when we want. But even in the act of prayer, there are great spiritual blessings that come to us immediately. And Jesus even says that when we pray for the Holy Spirit, it will be given to us. We know that. Our faith is strengthened necessarily in the act of prayer, in engaging in God's Word, not just passively receiving it, but also in using it to hold the Lord to His promises. Uh, that the practical effects there are of uh, go- uh, are of these gospel effects of comfort and peace, you know, and those are immediate. Those come to us right away, and so no prayer is fruitless. No prayer is without uh, effect for us in this world, uh, and we should remember that. And, and and not only should we remember that, we should remember that this is probably why God, the Lord commanded us to pray because He knows how good it is for us, you know. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, but but then, having said that, with seeing that the Lord, this is how the Lord treats us then, that does then bear fruit in the way that we would treat our neighbor. We don't want to lose sight of that either. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, no, yeah, that's right. Uh, so not only is this uh, practical, I suppose, in terms, in, in spiritual terms for us immediately, but also uh, for our neighbor, uh I, I I don't know, Pastor Apple. Could could you help me understand where you're going with that? <laughs> well, just to just to say that that um, well, uh, let's see. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. That kind of thing, so that we okay. see what God is doing and not withholding good from us. Then then it does affect the way that I would treat my neighbor. You know, if if I've got the ability to help him today, I'm not going to say I'll give it to you tomorrow. That kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, of course. So that, the, yeah, so that's the lesson of verses 27 and following, right? Yeah, I think uh, so. I mean, at least so, that's part of it. Yeah. Again, it's not just this practical, it's not only that sort of worldly practicality, but that's there. Like, we should treat our neighbor this way. This is what God does desire. Absolutely. Yeah, it's our sanctification, you know? Right. Uh, that Christians are, 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 in many ways, God's gift to the world, you know? Uh, that uh, civilization and the and, and and the world would be would be ah it would be like another version of hell unless the Christians were here reminding the world of God's law and of God's mercy you know uh, that's right. Hmm. Pastor Fleming, I, I'm appreciating going verse by verse here, and and I. I want to make sure we get to the ones that you most want to talk about. So we've got about 10 minutes mm-hmm. here on the morning. Uh, we've got like verses 29 through 35. Uh, wh- which ones do you want to really, which really do you want to highlight here? Make sure we get to those. You pick the yeah, next so, verse, uh, in other words. You, you have these, yeah, you have these uh, various instructions from St. Paul uh, concerning uh, life in the church. So, like, uh, uh, he, so uh, it, verse 29 reminded me, or let me see if I have this right. Yeah, I have nothing to do. Uh, no, I, I think I got my verses wrong here. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. Maybe that's part of the problem. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> sorry about this. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Let me let me read just a few more of Proverbs chapter three sure. while you find your place again, Pastor Fleming. So so as he continues, Solomon here in chapter twenty three, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. That's yeah, verses through verse thirty two in chapter three. Yes. So, yeah, so we have here uh, the man who contends for, uh, do not contend with a man for no reason. He's like, don't be contentious, right? Mm. Here in verse 30. Uh, 
And then not and not only that, but in the uh, don't become a violent man, right? Or a devious person. Uh, these these reminded me of the uh, St. Paul's instructions that we found in his epistles, like for instance, Second uh, Timothy chapter two, verse twenty three. Have nothing to do with foolish controversies, and uh, and and uh, and various other instructions that say, hey, look. Uh, picking a fight with someone because you know you're pleased by the fight is not actually a good and godly thing. <laughs> mm. It's it's like it's like you know the the Facebook debates maybe serve a necessary purpose I don't know but mm. but you should watch yourself always so that you're not engaging in contentiousness in contentious debate with your neighbor. Uh, you know that that only for the sake of your own pleasure or your perverse pleasure at that, because you like to fight with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, I, so that's, that's one of the things that I remembered when I, when I read this. And uh, I think that well, that's... Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe we could even consider the example of our Lord in in this matter of mm. contention. You know, there's plenty of examples from the Gospels where he, I suppose you could say, he gets in an argument with the Pharisees, with the other religious leaders, but he's not doing so for the sake of contention. Do not contend with a man for no reason. I mean, he, he's got a reason, and he certainly doesn't go picking a fight every time he, he could have. I mean, if, if goodness, if anybody wanted to get into a Facebook argument with the Pharisees, it could have been Jesus. But he, he I don't know, if, picks his battles probably isn't the right way of saying it. But, but when he engages no, with the Pharisees, it, it yeah. is, it's for a purpose. It is to teach... It is to teach the truth of justification by grace through faith. And he doesn't, he doesn't yeah. stray outside of that purpose of teaching into foolish controversies, is the way St. Paul might phrase it. Yeah, so the Pharisees, uh, the scribes, the lawyers, uh, the Sadducees, the rulers of the Jews, they are the ones who come to Jesus to attack him, uh, to discredit him. And uh, Jesus doesn't take it lying down, of course. Uh, he fights back with uh, the with his own sword, the sword of the word, uh, to to win those debates, to teach us uh, that they that their way of reading the the holy scriptures legalistically, right, and lovelessly, is in fact on uh, on that path towards death and uh, and spiritual death at that. Uh, so yes, can, so you don't argue without a reason, and uh, you don't pick a fight when there's none to be had, you know. Like as St. Paul was saying, foolish controversies. Uh, let's not split hairs. But but remember uh, the, the 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 purpose of the Holy Scriptures, which is the instruction of uh, of God's wisdom, right? And the way of sal- which is the way of salvation in His Son Christ. Uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Hmm. Pastor, now, I mean, we got about another. Verse. Well, keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going. We got about five minutes. Yeah. So the, the, yeah. So to to, to finish up here just to kind of uh, to, to put a period or an exclamation point on it. Uh, I, I wanted to go towards the end and to say that towards the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Uh, this is justification language. Uh, this is the language of the Lord uh, uh, tearing down the prideful and lifting up those uh, and lifting up those who have been crushed. Uh, this is the, uh, this should recall to, to our minds uh, the, the story that Jesus told of the Pharisee and the tax collector in the temple and how the Pharisee stood be, at the front of, uh, uh, stood, you know, uh, prominently at the front of the, uh, of the sanctuary and said, that, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men. And he pleaded, what? His own righteousness to God. And there you have in the back, slipping in, uh, unnoticed, <laughs> like a lot of Lutherans do at the beginning of the service, uh, with shame, knowing his own sin, not lifting up his eyes to heaven. And he beats his breast and he says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Uh, and this prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, isn't throwing ourselves on an unknown God and an unknown mercy. But we're saying to the Lord, Lord, propitiate me. I cannot offer the sacrifice of reconciliation. I have nothing but sin. But you propitiate me. You offer the sacrifice. You lift me up because I am unable to do so. And this is the prayer uh, that pleases God because it's not, a, it's, it's not a prayer of pride, nor is it a prayer 
of despair, but it is a prayer of faith. Uh, and, uh, and, and so for the humble, he gives his favor. And the favor that he gives, his shining face, is Christ himself. Uh, Christ given for our sins, who lifts us up, uh, who sets us in, uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, who gives us heavenly life, and who enables us to, to, have this, uh, to have this wisdom, this heavenly wisdom that orders our lives on this earth. It's a life of faith, and it's a life of benefit and blessing, certainly to our neighbor as well. So, Pastor Flamey, we, we still got three minutes here, so you got a, an opportunity mm-hmm. to put another exclamation point on it here. We don't want too many exclamation, <laughs> explanation, exclamation points. <laughs> Yes. But this, these last two verses, then, and, and I appreciate you bringing up the passage from Luke 18, because I think that's very helpful. I think yes. in verse 34, toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. We're tempted to read that second phrase, particularly, to the humble he gives favor, as the Lord saying, you need to be more humble, as, as if humility is the is the virtue that we're going to seek after. And, and I, I don't, well, humility as it is written here, is not so much that virtue that I'm, I'm trying to be more humble, but rather to recognize who I am before God. As you said, not, not a, pair of pride, a prayer of pride or despair, but of faith. Again, just how, how is it that yeah. these verses are, as you said, justification verses first and foremost? The justification verses because it's the Lord who does the humbling and it's the Lord who does the lifting up, right? Uh, the Lord takes the initiative in delivering heavenly wisdom, and just as the Lord takes initiative in raising us spiritually from the dead and, and uh, in giving us uh, forgiveness of sins and heavenly life, right? So the humble, like you said, isn't like some kind of uh, worldly humbleness as we might imagine it, but it's the humility that comes as a result of the preaching of the law, right? So that your prayer becomes the same as the publican in the back of the church. Lord, be merciful to me. What's the verdict? He repeats back to the Lord that the Lord preached to him? A sinner! Right? And with that confession, uh, with a broken and contrite heart, the Lord has the, the sacrifices that are pleasing to him. And so, uh, in, as response to his own work of humbling through the preaching of the law, uh, he is the one who lifts up for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the propitiatory sacrifice that he himself provides. And this is the end of heavenly wisdom, right? Christ is wisdom from God. And uh, this is what we all hope for uh, when we study the Holy Scriptures and when we study Proverbs, that uh, as we study uh, the, the wisdom that comes from heaven, yes, uh, we, we see those things that are applicable in this life, but only from the standpoint of faith. And ultimately, our eyes are directed to the end of faith, which is Christ. Pastor Brian Flamey is the pastor at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Roswell, New Mexico helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 35. Pastor Flamey, thanks for being our guest again today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. The book of Proverbs does not have the wisdom that you or I might look for as Americans. It's not a book of pragmatism. It is a book of justification, a book that points us to the propitiatory sacrifice, Jesus Christ, in whom God is merciful to us. And he is for us wisdom. He is not a stumbling stone for us, but he is our cornerstone. And in that heavenly practicality, there is fruit within our lives, fruit of peace and joy given by the Holy Spirit in Christ. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.